0: Prayer will lighten your load, do right, always be, how'd it go? I I knew that song. I like that song. Good job, boys. Take your Bibles. Turn over to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. We're going to pick back up this morning with uh, our theme for the year. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Our theme this year is what? Okay, that was about 12 and a half of you knew that. I think we can probably do better. What's the theme for this year? That's a whole lot much more better. Amen. I found $5 in my pocket. I'm trying to figure out how it got there. I might have to give this to somebody for listening. They listen good enough. I don't forget. It'd be a shame if you listen for nothing. Wouldn't that be terrible? First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Stand with me, please. Verse number 17. Let's read it together. All right, together. Ready? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold... All things are become new. Father, we pray that you'd bless us now. This morning as we turn our hearts and minds to the scripture, may the word of God come alive and may you minister to our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So our theme this year is based out of Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2. I like to read those two verses and quote those two verses together. Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul said, my mind just went blank. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Those were my dad's favorite verses. Whenever he signed somebody's Bible, he always signed it. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So needless to say, he made me memorize that verse as a little boy. And I've never forgotten it until just a second ago. I had a senior moment. Speaking of senior moments, I had a dear man that's been watching our our live stream services. He lives out in Las Vegas, Nevada. I was watching our services and got saved watching my preaching on our live stream at the age of 79 years old. He was either 79 or 80 when he got saved. And he wrote a precious letter uh, to me and sent me uh, a Bible, wrote a beautiful note in the front of the Bible. I mean, very kind words. Um, when somebody tells you you are a blessing to the human race, that's very kind, wouldn't you say? Uh, and, a, and a check for $500 to the church, amen. But the Bible was large print. So Brother Berner and Brother Leto were fighting over it in staff meeting. <laughs> As I told them, I wasn't quite ready for that, amen. But I just had a senior moment, and I couldn't remember how that verse got started. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I love those verses. They're just chock full of doctrine and truth, and And, and the and the theme this year is, is transformed, okay? I'm not a big fan of butterflies. They kind of look effeminate to me, kind of girly, kind of feminine but they, they make a great visual image of what the word transformed is because you've got this, you've got this little caterpillar, this little ugly, hairy, with whiskery, just nasty. I mean, ugh. if you step on it, it's just like... And it just it's crawling up this limb, and then it just goes and makes this cocoon, which looks like a leaf or just something dead hanging on a tree, but then it opens up, and here comes this beautiful, beautiful butterfly... And it's a beautiful picture of the word transformed, okay? Something supernatural happens, all right? And so that's our theme for this year. And last week, I don't have time to recap that, or not last week, but last time I preached, we looked at uh, the verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2. But this morning, I want to switch over and look at 2 Corinthians five 17. Three things I want you to notice by way of introduction about these verses or this verse in particular that I have discovered in the last few months uh, without even meaning to, that this is, first of all, this is an antagonizing verse. I have found that you can really irritate people. You can even irritate Baptist preachers by quoting 2 Corinthians 5.17. You say, how would you know that? Because I've done it. I'll make a statement like, if there hasn't been a change, there hasn't been a conversion. If you didn't get changed, you didn't get saved. And I'll just quote that Bible verse or just throw it up there on my social media, and I'm just trying to be a blessing. And it starts a debate. All these people start accusing me of believing in works, salvation. They start accusing me of, uh, of believing that you have to change in order to get saved. That's not at all what I believe. In fact, I made the statement... Uh, just the other day in, uh, in, I don't know if it was a staff meeting, I was talking to some preachers. I said, you don't clean a fish till you catch it. Anybody ever cleaned a fish before they caught it? I've caught a lot of fish and I've cleaned a lot of fish. You know what I mean when I say clean a fish, don't you? I ain't talking about soap and water and a tire brush. I'm talking about where you you, you peel the scales off of it. All right. You peel the scales off of it, cut the fins off of it, you cut his head off, you splice him open, you you pull all of his guts out, and now you can cook him, okay? That's called cleaning a fish. But you don't clean a fish till you catch it, meaning you don't, a person doesn't, God doesn't clean them up till they get saved. But that verse right there will start an argument even with independent Baptists many times. It's an antagonizing verse. It's a it's an affirming verse. We hear that word affirming a lot, referred to all the wrong things. People want to be affirmed in their, uh, in their crazy and perverted decisions. But this word affirming, I'm using it because understanding this verse and the power of this verse will give a person great assurance about their salvation. By the way, the Bible gives many tests of true salvation. First John's full of them. If you're saved, you'll love the brethren. Amen. If you're saved, you'll do this. If you're saved, you'll do that. If, you, if you've been saved, you'll do this and this and this. There's a lot of tests in the Bible for a person that's doubting their salvation. But as far as I'm concerned, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is an affirming verse. Gives a lot of people some affirmation and some confidence that God has saved them. But then thirdly, this is an amazing verse. That's really where I want to just drill down for just a little bit and look at this verse. We're just going to dissect this verse. We're just going to dissect this verse. We're going to look at the the words, the statements, the phrases, and ask God to put it all together because this verse, verse number 17, really is is a, a great verse that deals with this word transformed. Let's just break it down, all right? First thing I want to notice about verse number 17 is the scope. The scope. The Bible says, verse 17, Therefore, if any man If any man, or woman, or teenager, or young person, all right, if any man, make no mistake about it, stay with me, every person that gets saved gets transformed. This has really been the source of the contention because there are some people out there that believe uh, that God can touch you and you can remain unchanged. That's not in the Bible. In fact, I will give you this $5 after, ch- after chapel if after chapel you can find a verse where God or Jesus ever touched somebody and it didn't change them. It's not in the Bible. Okay, everything God touches, he changes. Everything that he involves himself in, any situation that he inserts himself into, he changes the situation. You don't have to read very far in Genesis chapter number one to see that. God takes what was dark and void, and he takes that which was completely unrecognizable, that which was of no value, and in just a couple of words, he began making a transformation. Every person that gets saved gets transformed. This transformation that we find in this verse does not have a 10% or 25% or 60% success rate. Every person that God has ever touched, he changed. Every person that God ever saves, he transforms. That's what this verse is telling us. If any man, it doesn't matter what their background is. Some of you maybe come from a background where your parents didn't go to church, maybe you didn't go to church. In fact, some of you, I'm sure when you came to Calvary Baptist School, was probably the first time that you could say you had really been in church. I've seen kids when we're having chapel first uh, first semester First week of school when we have the school revival, many times we'll bring visiting preachers in and you ought to see some of their faces. They have never sat in a church before where a man of God got up, read Bible verses and hollered at them for 45 minutes. We call it preaching. They're like, what in the world is he mad about? Nothing. We're just preaching. One woman said to me at the church, she had a finger in her ear, she said, why do you have to be so loud? I still didn't wake you up. <laughs> Bible says, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. So that's what we do. But we have kids come in here, never been in church, didn't grow up in a Christian home. But guess what? When they get saved, they get transformed. You got kids that grew up in church their whole life. I went to church nine months before I was born. You'll figure that out in just a minute, Sebastian. I grew up in church. I cut my teeth on the back of a Baptist church pew. You'll figure that out in just a little bit too. I played under the pews, crawled around under the floor. I slept in church when I was a baby. We didn't have nurseries where I went. We just sat in church. I grew up in church. I got saved when I was four. But guess what? There was a transformation in my life when I got saved. This verse is important that you understand. This is not just a few people and based on a few conditions. God will bring about a change in every person that gets saved. If they were church or unchurched, if they had a Christian background or didn't have a Christian background, if they had a good pastor or didn't have a good pastor, there will be a change. When God saves a person, he changes all of them. Are y'all getting this? That is the scope of this verse, which I think is amazing. God has a 100% success rate. Now, stay with me. I didn't say that every person that gets saved is going to be spirit-filled and live their life and serve God. That is unfortunately not the case. But every person that gets saved, there will be a change. We see the scope. Number two, we see the stipulation in this verse. That word stipulation means the conditions or the prerequisites. The stipulation for this transformation in verse 17 is that person must be in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, it doesn't say if any man be in church. It doesn't say if any man be in a Christian home, if any man be in a Christian school. It says if any man be in Christ, that's the stipulation. Professing Christ won't do it. I said professing to be a Christian won't bring about a transformation. Pretending to know Christ won't bring about a transformation. Do you know how many people are frustrated this morning? They are trying their best to live the Christian life, but they're not in Christ. And you can only go so far and you can only fake so long and you can only pretend so long and you can only adapt so much. But if you're not in Christ, there will not be a true transformation. I'm pretty sure that you could take an ant and stick it in a cocoon and leave it there for a while. And it's not going to become a butterfly. I'm pretty sure you can put a grasshopper in a cocoon and leave it for a while and it will not become a butterfly. Okay? That transformation's not going to happen because it's in a cocoon or in a church or in a Christian school or in a Christian family. There has to be something down deep on the inside that makes that happen. Something supernatural that only God can do. I have said in in church, I have preached to church members that have lived for years trying to live the Christian life, but they were not in Christ. That word in Christ simply means they're born again. Being related to people that are in Christ won't do it. Being surrounded by people that are in Christ won't do it. You can't get a better example of that than Judas Iscariot. Who sat with the other 11 disciples, spent 24 hours a day, seven days a week for three and a half years with Jesus Christ and was not in Christ. He was as close to him as you can get. And he was as far away from him as you could get. In fact, the Bible tells the story of Jesus going into the garden of Gethsemane and praying. And he was praying and he was under so much agony. The Bible says his sweat became, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So we imagine Jesus as he's praying, his face is covered with blood. So the Bible says, and Judas Iscariot with a handful of soldiers walks up and Judas kisses Jesus on the face. He literally kissed the blood of Jesus and then died and went to hell. So being surrounded by people that are in Christ, being related to people that are in Christ, being good friends with people that are in Christ is not the same as being in Christ. The stipulation for this transformation is you must be born again. You must be saved by the grace of God. Romans 8.1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You found that phrase, in Christ Jesus, all throughout the scripture. The Apostle Paul used that phrase a lot. That means a person that has been saved. They're in Christ. That is the catalyst. That is the miracle. That is what starts and sparks this transformation is getting saved. A person cannot transform themselves. They can clean up their act. We have a phrase, turn over a new leaf. I guess it's talking about like a leaf of paper in a notebook. And you're going to start a new page, start a new chapter. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. And I'm going to have a reset. A lot of people do that at, uh, at the first of the year. They have these New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose weight. And they diet for about two days. And you see them at McDonald's eating that Big Mac and that extra large fry, but they think they're on a diet because they ordered a diet Coke to go with it. They buy the exercise bicycle. They buy the elliptical. Those ellipticals really, really come in handy in the corner of your bedroom to hang your clothes on when you're taking your clothes off. You just hang them on that exercise bicycle. One guy said, my exercise bicycle's got 10 miles on it. He said, that was from my grandkids sitting there turning the pedals. (laughs) Probably a New Year's resolution. I'm going to do better, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to go to the altar and I'm going to pray and I'm going to go back home and I'm going to be a better person. You can't transform yourself. You have to be in Christ. It's the only way it's going to work. That's the stipulation for this verse. Thirdly, we see the significance in this verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Truth in this phrase is mind boggling to me. God literally makes a new creation out of you. This isn't a spit, this isn't a spit shine job. This isn't a, this isn't just a little cleaning up job. This is not just a haircut and putting on a suit and tie, polishing your shoes. No, no, no. This is, this is an absolutely brand new creation. That's what it is. When you get saved, you are a new creature. By the way, you cannot remain the same if you're a new creature. God's not going to select, copy, paste. You computer people know what I'm saying? Huh? He's not going to make you just like you were when he makes you a new creature. There will be an, a change. There will be an updated, improved version. Huh? There, will be, there will be an absolute difference in your life when you get saved. Now, some of them you can see, and some of them you can't see. In fact, a lot of them you can't see because it's done on a spiritual level. But there is a change. When you read Genesis chapter number one, and God created the heavens and the earth, he created all the animals. Fascinating. I could get distracted talking about all the different animals. I mean, you've got the pig with no neck, standing next to the giraffe with like 100 necks. It's amazing. The way God created all the animals. Fascinating. Some of them's got two legs. Huh? Some of them's got four legs. Some of them's got two big legs and two little legs, like the kangaroo. Crazy. You know what you call a lazy kangaroo? A pouch potato. (laughs) I mean, all these different animals. You got the centipedes and the millipedes. You got the octopus. He's got eight. God did that. But I mean, He he made new creatures, new creations where there was nothing. When you got saved, God made you a new creature. And you don't look like the one that you were before you got saved. It's different. Are y'all getting this? This verse is amazing. People say you can get saved and not get changed. Has it read 2 Corinthians 5 17? There's a new creature. You're a new creature. The old creature was dead. The new creature has been made alive. Can we agree there's a difference there? Can we agree there's a difference between a person that's dead and a person that's alive? The old creature was a child of darkness, but when you get saved, you become a children of the light. The old creature was blind, but when you get saved, you've been given sight. My old creature was a sinner, but the new creatures are called saints. Never do you find A born-again child of God called a sinner in the Bible ever again. You went from being a sinner to a saint. That's awesome. The old creature was a child of Satan, but a new creature is a child of God. The old creature was under the wrath of God. The new creature is not under the wrath of God. The old creature was an enemy of God. The new creature is a friend of God. There's a difference. The significance of this verse is amazing and that when we got saved, God started a new work in you. Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter one, verse number six, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When did he begin a good work in you? Was it the day you were born? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the day when you got reborn. He's talking about the day when you got born again. John 3 uses that phrase, you must be born again. When a person gets saved, God hits a reset, but it's better than a reset. It's just a starting all over again with a brand new creature. Preacher, what are you getting at this morning? We're talking about, True salvation brings about transformation. That's what we're talking about. People, people that tripping over a fake pumpkin, break my neck. Put it on my tombstone. He tripped over the pumpkin on the platform that Miss Kasperzak put there to make it look pretty. <laughs> confident, being confident. Listen to me, verse number uh, of Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. I don't understand how a person could not understand that verse where he said you can have confidence that God started a good work in you and he will finish it. And you got Baptist preachers that say you can get saved and not change anything. Nothing changes. It's absolutely contrary to scripture. I asked Marissa last night, I said, are you going to try to sleep in in the morning? They're leaving late tonight they're going to drive to New York and they're going, to, they're going to get on a plane probably 1 o'clock in the morning, 1.30 in the morning and fly all the way to the Manila, Philippines. I said, are you going to try to sleep in in the morning? She said to me, She says, I try to sleep in every morning, but I've got a baby. And you don't get to sleep in. When that baby wakes up, that's when you get up. What am I saying? When you got saved, there was a new creature. There was a change. She could sleep in before the baby was born. She couldn't sleep in after the baby was born. There was a change. Things changed. Are y'all getting this? We see the significance of this verse. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Again, we're emphasizing that it's God doing the transformation. It's not you. You can't do it. You don't have the power to do it. I don't have the power to do it. I can pretend to be a basketball player. I could put on a basketball outfit. I could put on a pair. Some of you boys look at one another like, yeah, that's what you do every time we practice. You pretend to be a basketball player. Don't do that. All right. I could pretend. I could pretend to be a football player. I could put on a football uniform with pads and put on a helmet and I would look like a football player. If you were in the bleachers, I would look like a football player. Y'all are waiting for the punchline. Until they hike the ball and we got to run plays and somebody hits me and knocks me out because I'm out of shape and I'm laying on the ground and you're like, I wonder what happened to him. I'm going to tell you what happened to him. He was pretending to be something he wasn't. Hmm? We got people sitting in our churches pretending to be born again. And you can only look the part so far and then it starts to fall apart when you get right down to it because they're not saved. And I said it before, I don't know why people would pretend to be saved when you can have it for free and not have to fake it. Fourthly, we see the severance in this verse. There is a severing, there is a a break. There is a a separation that takes place in verse number 17. He is a new creature. Here we go. Old things are passed away. Passed away. Now that passed away can be looked at two different ways. When we say a person is dead, we say they passed away. Okay. You could also say that if you're standing there waiting for the bus and it don't stop and it just keeps going, that bus passed away or passed on, okay? When we were missionaries in Samoa, we had a knock at the door, and a young man came and knocked on the door, and he was crying. And he said to my dad, he said, I need you to pray for us. My dad said, what is it? He says, my dad, he passed out. And my dad said, okay. He said, was he, was he, he got low blood pressure? Was he drinking? Is he okay? He said, no, he, he passed out. He said, well, did he hurt himself when he failed? I mean, what do you want me to have to pray about? Is there something I can do? He said, he passed out. My dad said, okay, I got that. But I mean, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go up there and check on him? Do you want me to go up there and do we need to call an ambulance? Is your da- was he Is he bleeding? He just looked at my daddy. He said, he's dead. What he meant was he passed away. Big difference in passing away and passing out. Can I get a witness? Can I tell you something? When you got saved, old things didn't just pass out. <laughs> it didn't just take a little nap and then come back. It passed away. Old things. Am I still in the Bible? Am I reading something into there that's not there? Old things, the Bible says, are passed away. There is a severing. There is an an instant cut. There's a separation. There is a past tense. There is a past life. We sing the song sometimes in chapel. Things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. What's the other verse? The friends I used to have, I don't have them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. It goes without saying, but the Bible is very clear and it says it that when you are a new creature, old things are passed away. They're gone. They're gone. The Bible's filled with story after story after story. Mary Magdalene, that Jesus saved, that had seven devils in her. He cast the devils out of her. And you find her sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. She was one of the women that went to the garden tomb, looking for him after he was risen from the dead. You find the maniac of Gadara in Mark 5. We just had a message about that during the Jubilee. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Where a man was just crazy, I mean, crazy, cutting himself with stones, screaming and hollering and running around in the the, the tombs, possessed with devils, and they would catch him and tie him up with chains, and he would break those chains. They would tie him up with fetters, he would break those fetters. He had the whole town terrorized. Jesus saved him, and Jesus touched him, and and, and, and the Bible says that the disciples came and they found him seated and clothed and in his right mind. And he had so many devils in him that Jesus cast the devils into a herd of swine that was over there on the side of the mountain. And the Bible says those those swine, those demons, devils entered into the swine and they ran down the side of the mountain and ran into the sea and were choked. Drowned, like 2,000 of them, I believe it was. It's the first place in the Bible where you find deviled ham. Brother Leader thinks all ham's deviled. It's an amazing story. There was a transformation that took place in his life that you can't fake. That's a transformation that a doctor can't prescribe. Uh, There's no medicine. There's no drug. There are no therapists that can bring about that kind of transformation. God did something on the inside. And old things were passed away. After he met Jesus, he didn't go back into the graveyard and cut himself and break chains and run around naked anymore. God changed him because he got saved. One of the greatest insults. To the power of God is to say that you can be touched by God and saved by Jesus Christ and not have a change. It's heresy. Zacchaeus went from stealing people's money to giving them back more than he stole. That's a change and that's a transformation. Saul of Tarsus went from killing preachers to becoming a preacher. He went from arresting Christians to winning people to God and baptizing people and starting churches. That's a transformation. I mean, literally in the same chapter where he was headed to Damascus with papers to kill and arrest the Christians, in the same chapter, you find him on the street full of the Holy Ghost and preaching Jesus Christ. You can't, make this up. You can't fake this transformation. You can't just go along to get along and you can't, you can't, you can't do this for somebody. God has to do it. We see the severance. The Philippian jailer went from trying to commit suicide to washing the stripes on the backs of Paul and Silas that he very possibly put there himself. Who knows? They beat him. They beat those men of God, beat them with, and they had, the Bible says they had many stripes. When he met Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. And he got saved. And guess what he did? He changed. God changed him. We could go on and on. When Jesus meets up with a person and he saves them, the old life is severed. And there's a new one that begins. Lastly, number five, we see the substitution in verse number 17. All things are passed away. Behold, I like that word, behold. That word, behold, means to take a long, hard look at. Behold, all things are become new. I've had preachers, I've had Christians say to me, yeah, but when a person gets saved, they don't change everything right away. I never said they did. The Bible is very clear in the word become that it is a process over time. But that's just like saying because a baby can't read and write and tie his own shoes and go to the potty by himself that he wasn't born. There's a change in that baby when he's born. I mean, for nine months, he lived in his mother's womb surrounded by amniotic fluid. No air. He's born. She's born. And the doctor spanks them on the hiney. And they go, and all of a sudden, if you stick their head in water again, they drown. There's a transformation that takes place. They went from being an amphibian, I'm just kidding. There's a change. They're not, they're not full grown. They don't know it all. They haven't got it all figured out, but there is an, 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 a change. When a person gets saved, they may not be everything they're supposed to be, and they never are. They don't understand it all. I heard a preacher say this just the other day. He said, I've been saved 40 years and I'm still learning what happened to me when I got saved. You've heard me say that. I mean, I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around what all happened to me at the altar when I was four years old and I've been preaching for 30 years. It's overwhelming what God did. But I can promise you something, he did something. He did it. He changed. He'll put a change. All all things are become new. Is that what your Bible says? And when God takes away something, that old things that are passed away, don't get too sad about that. Don't get too upset about that because he's going to replace it with something better. A whole lot better. God's not a God that delights in depriving his children of fun and blessing. When he takes something away, he replaces it. He substitutes it with something better. God causes the old things to pass away. Because the new things that he has for you are so much better. It's amazing how many people are afraid to get saved. They're afraid, if I'm afraid if I get saved, I'll never have any fun. I'm like, well, first of all, you've never hung around any saved people because we have fun. Amen. We have a great time, we we enjoy each other's company. We enjoy the blessings of God. We know how to have fun and have it clean where you don't have a guilt trip afterwards. Went down to Brother Chad Watson's. We're dear friends. Known each other for many years. Done a lot of things together. Got to his house. Um, well, we, 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 got up, we got up Saturday morning. Me and Brother Eric woke up Saturday morning because I preached in North Carolina Friday night at the youth meeting. We got up Saturday morning. And I, we had two things on our bucket list, coffee and the boot barn. Can I get a witness? I love the boot barn. So we went and got coffee. Brother Caleb Wells owns a coffee shop. Brother Andy son Caleb, bought a coffee shop in Monroe. We went there and hung out with him for a little while and had some coffee. Then we went to the boot barn. Brother Eric bought a pair of boots and I bought some stuff. And I said, Let's just head on to Brother Watson. So we drove about an hour to Hartsville, South Carolina. I texted him. I said, where are you at? He said, we're at the church. Just come on over to the church. Got to the church. Parking lot was full. We Walked in. They were fixing to have soul winning. He said, to can y'all go soul winning with us? I said, yeah, absolutely. That'd be fun. And so we had prayer and they sung a few songs. Somebody gave a little challenge and we all loaded up in our vehicles and we went downtown Main Street in Hartsville. Those big old, huge antebellum homes. And just, I'm talking about the big old oak trees and the magnolia trees. I mean, just picture, picture South Carolina back in the day. And uh, it's different from so winning in here, here we just park on the street and we walk up down the sidewalk. Well, they didn't have sidewalks there because you're in the country. So you drive up their driveway and you pull all the way around in their front door. And I told myself, you do this in Baltimore, you're going to get shot. He said, you might get shot here too, Preacher, amen. So we're having a blast knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus. Me and Brother Eric and Brother Watson, we had a ball, a blast. And we got done soul winning, then we went, ate lunch. Then we went to his house. He said, y'all want to ride four-wheelers? I said, yeah. He said, we got a side-by-side and we got some four-wheelers. I said, I'll take the four-wheeler. And man, we're out in the dirt roads. We're riding just miles of dirt roads and we're doing donuts and I mean, we're just having another video and I was having donuts. And Brother Watson said, here, get on here with me. And I thought he was going to do a donut. So he's driving and I got behind him and I'm just sitting back there and he stomped it. And when he did, he popped a wheelie and he's riding down the dirt road on the back two tires. And I'm on the back going, whoa, 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 whoa. I wasn't even holding on. I said, tell me what you're going to do next time. He said, I'm going to ride a wheelie. I said, thank you. Well, I went to put my arms around him and that just did not feel right. Some inside of me went, ugh. And I'm thinking to myself, I'd rather fall over backwards and break my neck like Eli than to be seen hugging this preacher. So I just grabbed, I grabbed his shirt. I grabbed his shirt on both sides. And he reared back, and we're riding wheelies, and they're getting videos of us riding wheelies. And we got to his house, and all of his buttons were popped on the front. <laughs> I said, that would have been hilarious if I would have just ripped your shirt off and been laying on the ground, and you're riding a four-wheeler with no shirt, and I'm laying there holding your shirt. I said, that would have been hilarious. Man, we had a ball. He said, I got a bull. You want to ride the bull? Me and Eric's like, yeah, we're going to ride the bull. I said, Eric, you going to ride it? He said, yeah. I said, if you ride it, I ride it. So we went up to the pasture, and there was a little old bitty pen, and there was a big old bull in there. And I sat down and looked at that bull for just a second and I said, um, I ain't riding him. I said, What about you, Eric? He said, No, I changed my mind. It wasn't the bull, it was that little bitty confined area and that hard ground that discouraged me. And those big old hooves that I could just see just planted right in my chest. We had a ball. We had a ball, fire pit. So people in the church bought us steaks about that thick. Well, maybe that thick. Well maybe they were that thick. Grilled steaks and fellowship talked about goodness of God, tears in our eyes, rejoicing. We had a blast. And guess what? We were saved the whole time. We didn't cuss, We didn't tell dirty jokes. We didn't talk about people. We didn't run down to preacher. We didn't talk about all the bad movies we've been looking at. We had a ball saved. So people say, I don't think if I get saved, I'm not going to have any fun. You've never been around saved people. Amen. We have a ball. We have a great time being saved. God causes the old things to pass away, and the new things are so much better. See, the old way of dating results in teenage pregnancies and all kinds of venereal diseases. The new way of dating results in purity and holiness and a clear conscience. The old way of listening to music makes you suicidal and makes you cut yourself and it perverts your mind. The new way glorifies God and lifts up your spirit. The old way of watching movies, it fuels lustful thoughts and develops ungodly worldviews. But the new way is wholesome and it's clean. And it's fun. The old way of chasing your dreams ends in heartbreaks and failure. But the new way brings joy and fulfillment and satisfaction and peace. The old way of dressing makes you look sensual and makes you look worldly. The new way is modest and it protects you and it portrays a Christ-like testimony. The old way of talking is vulgar and disrespectful and nasty. The new way is kind and intelligent speaks grace to the hearer. See, the old way of spending your free time is selfish and wasteful and sinful. The new way is clean and holy and godly. Are you getting this? God replaces. God substitutes the old for the new because the new is better. I got a big question mark, big humongous fat question mark over anybody's testimony of salvation that did not result in a change. I don't find that in my Bible. So my question for you this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, here's my question for you. When did this amazing transformation take place in you? The Bible's clear. When Jesus saves a person, he makes a change. There's not one single example in the Bible of a person that God touched that remained the same, not one. It's not in there. It doesn't exist. There will be so many changes. There will be a hunger for the Word of God. There will be a love for truth. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God will open your eyes and your understanding to things in the Bible. There will be a love for the people of God. There will be the ability to pray and get your prayers answered. There will be the ability to read your Bible and understand it and know what it says. Because the natural man understandeth not the things of God, neither indeed can he, because he's spiritually discerned. But when you get saved, there are so many changes that takes place.